you have to have this wide window, the 16 hours to be considered fasting. So what I'm saying here is that if you're going to skip a meal, you can't skip nutrients. People already don't get enough nutrients. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. You know, I've really spent some time reflecting on my own phases of burnout this year and past years, and I know I'm not the only one that has gone through or goes through these peaks and valleys. And while sometimes you need lows to appreciate the highs in life, some valleys are pretty difficult for both your mind and your body in a very literal physical way. This year, I'm feeling really pulled to help others work through burnout, nourish their adrenals, mind, body, and spirit, and have some incredible things in store to help you feel refreshed and renewed. I invite you to take my quiz, Are You Approaching Burnout?, to assess your stress resilience and find out more about how to help you overcome it. Go to kristabigler.com forward slash burnout to take that quiz, and it'll also be in the show notes. This morning, my friend Kim Holmes interviewed me for her podcast from the Marriage Helper on intermittent fasting. And the context is that in 2017, I worked with a fitness celebrity and I worked on a fasting program. And I feel like at that moment and the year before, it was kind of in its heyday. And it's funny because, you know, it's been three-ish years later and it's still kind of popular, although I don't hear about it that often. So I want to go over really quickly what some of the types of fasting are, the benefits, and then the very common issues that I see people running into where it's absolutely contraindicated. So I actually have like a three-part blog series that was done way back in 2016 or 17 about this, about different types of fasting. And I think there's a lot of minutia, so I'm just going to simplify to the most common things. Fasting is essentially not raising your blood sugar for a certain length of time. It's like not spiking it. So some people would say, oh, you don't consume anything. Not necessarily. You definitely need to consume water and electrolytes depending on how long you're fasting. And also some people, they might say, oh, I can still like keep the benefits of a fast if I'm eating avocado or if I have tea or coffee or some kind of drink. For some people, coffee doesn't work for them because it rises cortisol and it kind of breaks them out of their fast essentially. And I'll get to what that is and why that is in a moment. So there are some experts in the fasting industry and maybe we'll get to them, but the most common types of fasts, and I think the most very, very most most popular one is the 16-8. That means it is 16 hours of officially no blood sugar raising food or a caloric intake essentially. And that's why like tea or coffee by itself would be fine because there's no energy or calories to that in theory. And if you don't add a bunch of things and then eight hours where the kitchen is open. So what are some potential things that would happen here? Well, first, let me go back. What's a normal for most people? For most people, you should be able to fast 12 hours overnight without a problem. So you should be able to not eat for 12 hours, and then open the kitchen for 12 hours and eat. And so with 16-8, you're just extending that by about four hours. And so it's very common for people to push off their breakfast and to have like some kind of brunch or just start eating at lunch. And that's their 16-8. And I definitely want to talk about the shortcomings and like things I literally saw this week and things I have done incorrectly with this. So what are some of the obvious benefits that happen? So there are some actual physiological benefits, but from a behavior standpoint, Sometimes we do a lot of snacking, right? Like we don't have a plan. We just snack, snack, snack all day. And in theory, what we're supposed to have between meals, if you can handle it, is to have breaks between meals. Like if you can wait three to five hours between meals, then your migrating motor complex or basically the janitor in your gut can go in and clean up. It's like 
not having someone in the cafeteria all the time. And if you're eating constantly, your blood sugar is usually constantly elevated, which creates quite a cycle of being hungry all the time. So snacking all the time, what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to have some breaks between eating. So the 12 on 12 off is a good first practice. And then the 16, eight really stops people in their tracks and makes them think about the snacking that's happening. And now that snacking is bad. And if they eat like mindlessly often, okay, so it can provoke positive or negative emotions or emotions around behaviors or emotions around foods. So I think that can be interesting. For some people, just reducing the snacking reduces the overall energy intake or caloric intake that they're taking in. So for some people, that's a beneficial thing for weight loss. Now, I'm absolutely not saying weight loss is that simple. But for some people, that's like a common thing where we see maybe some benefits. Now, from a physiological standpoint, the primary benefit of fasting is essentially autophagy or programmed cell death. This is something that naturally happens, but it's kind of like a janitor for like crappy diseased cells. So because cells like multiply by replicating, we don't want to replicate crappy diseased cells. So cancer cells, or the cells that create neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, etc. We want to clean up that garbage cells and like create better quality cells. So we want to increase autophagy. And we find that you have to get 16 hours of fasting is kind of where that first starts. Volter with a V. Longo is an Italian researcher who grew up between two of the blue zones, blue zones being areas where people have a lot of longevity. He came to the US to be a rock star, and then somehow ended up being a doctor in geriatrics. Not really sure how that happened. But he's kind of a cool guy. And he basically had this funny mice study. And long story short, he realized that like, oh, you could do this prolonged fast and like, look at what happens with autophagy, and how you can improve longevity. So he has kind of a process where you get to eat, but get the benefits of extended fasting. They actually have a kit where you can eat and get the benefits or like a DIY version in his book, The Longevity Diet. Now, I actually really like to eat. So this doesn't sound super fun to me. And I have some kind of a not funny story about it, which may or may not fit in today's episode. I might have to tell you in a subsequent episode. So what's another reason that someone does fasting and has benefits from it? metabolic flexibility. Usually we use carbohydrates for energy. So my friend who interviewed me today, she's like, Oh, well, this workout guru said to do like change up the way you eat because when you eat carbs, it makes you tired. I'm like, I would challenge you to say why are carbs making you tired? And it's usually to do with poor digestion. Like that's the outward sign of it. So carbs are usually one way our body makes energy. But it could also a backup reserve tank is to use fat to make energy. And those are ketones. So if you can use fasting to get into ketosis and then out of it and switch back and forth. In theory, it improves your metabolic flexibility. And what this feels like is you go from the girl who needs to take like five granola bars in your bag on the plane to not because you have just more satiety. Now there's a million other reasons your blood sugar is a mess and you should absolutely like work on foundational things first. Like can you eat every few hours and get a protein, fat and carb, et cetera. Also, like fasting has been shown to increase butyrate production in the gut, which is like the body's natural gut healing mechanism. So sometimes I think this gets over touted for gut healing. I don't think it's a magical thing, but it is what it is. All right. So let's talk about some common pitfalls I see with people experimenting with fasting that either their ambition has waned or they're not sure what they're doing at first. I'll never forget the guy who says, Hey, Krista, yeah, I was fasting today. And I was like, honey, you're not fasting. You skipped lunch. Like you ate breakfast, skipped lunch and you ate supper. That was skipping a meal. Like that was not fasting. You have to have this wide window, the 16 hours to be considered fasting. So what I'm saying here is that if you're going to skip a meal, you can't skip nutrients. People already don't get enough nutrients. And 
inherently as humans, we accidentally get lazy and lazy is not the right word, but like we're not always prepared and we're not always eating. Like, do you get five cups of fruits and vegetables a day? Go start there. But this happens actually a lot with vegan diets. You start with a bang and you're like, I feel so good and you feel community. And that's another thing that special like diet things are successful is because it makes people feel like they have a community sometimes. But then we sort of get apathetic. So this week I saw a woman and I'm like, you're under eating. And she's like, oh yeah, I intermittent fast, blah, blah, blah. So here's what happens. She drinks coffee and she's got three kids under five. And so I know this situation because I've been in it. And so what she's doing is she's just like drinking coffee in the morning and then maybe eating lunch. But because she's like literally three little people need things from her all the time, she's in pretty much constant reaction mode. And so she doesn't have a necessarily have a proactive lunch plan. So sometimes like the answer is to eat a block of cheese and a box of crackers, which been there, done that. So what tends to happen is sometimes you're under eating and she like feels she has no energy in the afternoon. So she's simply at a foundational level under eating first. We can tweak other things that are creating fatigue, especially if she's postpartum. There's probably some nutrient stuff to really improve. But if you're not getting a protein, fat and carb at regular intervals, or you're like, if you want to do fasting, but you're not doing it with an intentional, not skipping nutrients approach, then that's where you need to start. And if she's breastfeeding, which she is, her nutrient needs are actually higher, you know, than they even were when she was pregnant. So I'm telling you this because it's a common thing. And for some people doing drinking a lot of coffee increases that cortisol and kind of takes them out of that ketosis. So that's all I wanted to tell you about intermittent fasting 101 pros and cons today. In a subsequent episode, I will tell you about how I totally did this stupid thing with a prolonged fast and what happened because it's a good lesson to learn. So stay tuned for that one. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 